you know how we're always going back through memory lane as much as physically possible and we try to connect the dots because all it does is bring that nostalgia value back but it also allows us as oklahoma state fans to be grounded in the history that is oklahoma state all good all bad and all things mike gundy and more you are locked on oklahoma state your daily podcast on the oklahoma state cowboys part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by and making this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. Today, we have a good one. Healing from Jesuit High School in New Orleans, Louisiana, standing at six foot six, 300 pounds, former Detroit Lion for six years former Cowboy great, and somebody that was in the middle of the transition from the Les Miles era to the Mike Gundy era. Everybody, help me bring on to the show, Corey Hilliard. How are you doing, my guy? What's up, man? How are you? Man, I'm living the dream. Every, every day we wake, we wake up, it's a it's better day than the alternative. Right on. Amen to that. All right, so we're just, we're just going to jump right off into it. Whenever you were going through the recruiting process, because I do know that you know you were you were getting looks from uh, a lot of legitimate schools, including places like like in Indiana. Coming from Louisiana, especially back then, we didn't get a lot of guys, you know, from outside of the state of Oklahoma and Texas. So you being kind of integral in the process of growing, right, growing the recruiting footprint. What made you choose Oklahoma State? Um, I believe it was my second offer. Like my first offer was from Tulane. Um, I was a late bloomer. I really, I really didn't have any offers going into my senior year. Um, and by midway through my senior year, I started getting offers and, it's, and Oklahoma State was the second one. And I took a visit to Stillwater, man. I absolutely loved it. Um, and so it, it had gotten down to Indiana, uh, Oklahoma State, Clemson and Ole Miss where it was like my final four. And um, I took a visit to all of those places, and I just I fell in love with Stillwater. I just I thought it was an awesome place, still is. Um, it's like my second, third home, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, so I, I just that was, that was a process for me, man. I just loved I love what they were doing, and it came off of beating OU two years in a row. So things were growing there, um, and then and then just. Um, the 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 visit the the players that were there like uh charlie johnson sam mays uh josh fields just hanging out with those guys that weekend um it was just a really cool experience that is cool yeah you definitely got to play with some dudes you definitely got to play with, with, with quite a bit of dudes uh when you look back on that what was the I don't know the most difficult part when you first came to to Stillwater, um, before you got kind of rolling in. Because yeah, you came in O or you you committed in O three, correct? And then you came in O four. Is that accurate? Uh, no, committed in O three. Got there O three. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So, what was your question? The most difficult part? Yeah. What was the most difficult transition going from high school oh, to man. big boy Les Miles football? 
Well, I mean, home, home, being homesick was number one because I was 12 hours away. Um, you know, Stillwater's 12 hours away from New Orleans. Um, and I'd probably say the second thing was um, learning uh, how to try to be a technician. Um, in high school, you can kind of get away with, you know, sloppy technique as a lineman when you're when you're physically imposing. Right. Right. And you can just dominate the guy across from you. Well, it wouldn't like that um, when I got to Stillwater. Like I was going up against Greg Richmond uh, every day. Uh, Marquis. Marquis was pretty salty. Marquis. Me and Marquis came in together. We had battles. Antonio Smith, who went to like a few Pro yes. Bowls with the Texans. Yep. Um, Kareem Smith. Like those guys would just take turns beating me up my freshman year. And so that making that transition, the big boy football, um, that was probably the hardest part. Gotcha. So um, whenever you came to Oklahoma State, uh, Al Pena was our guy originally, correct? And then your sophomore year is when we transitioned to Donovan Woods? Well, no, Al Pena is actually my roommate, one of my best friends still. Oh, that's um, awesome. We were roommates for four years. But um, my first year was Josh Fields. My second year, the quarterback was Donovan Woods. There you go. And then uh, Les went off to LSU. Gundy got the head job. And then I had Bobby Reed uh, my last two years sprinkled in with some Zach Robinson. That's so. awesome, man. Yeah, we're going to have uh, Bobby Reed's on, on the show, uh, I believe, next week. So before we get off here, make nice. sure you, you make sure you give me a little nugget to, to throw his way just to throw him off course a bit. Oh, oh I got something <laughs> for him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's let's kind of – talk about uh so the 04 season uh was pretty successful for you guys it was a game where you should have won bedlam i think you lost what 32 35 38 um, 35 yeah and you know and you had, you had a couple yeah. other other games that were pretty pretty close but that was you know getting into a, a pretty good sized bowl game right we went to the alamo bowl and played ohio state state yeah yes yeah yeah but we, that I was think back when that. going to bowl games was it was new. It was a new thing for us. Okay, it was a new University. thing, yeah. So yeah, what was at that, that time excitement? We, well, man, the, my fr my freshman year, I actually started seven games and got hurt uh, with two games left in the season and couldn't play in the Cotton Bowl. We were nine wow. and three that year. Um, we played Ole Miss in the Cotton Bowl. That was an awesome experience. Um, we lost to Ole Miss by three. That's when Ole Miss had uh, Eli Manning. Eli, yes. yeah. And then the next year, we got to play that Ohio State team and. They, they shouldn't have been in that Alamo Bowl. The record-wise, they had some injuries early on in the year that kind of hurt their record. Right. But, bro, that was that was a squad. I think I believe that next year they played in a national championship, if I'm not was mistaken. That, was that before they got Maurice Claret, or was that – was right around That was – I think I think the Maurice Claret year was 2002. Roger. Okay. Okay. I think he got ran off by then. Okay. But fair was, enough. That team still that that team had AJ Hawk, uh, Bobby Carpenter on defense. I mean, they just had a bunch of dudes. They had Ted Ginn. They had uh, Rob Sims, who I played with for uh, with uh, in Detroit. Um, they that was just a really really good team, and I was like, bro, y'all shouldn't. We should not be playing y'all. Y'all are too good. <laughs> so um, yeah. It was a cool experience. The Alamo Bowl was cool. Running out there and seeing all the fans. It was a real cool setup. And then they, they proceeded to beat our butts, man. So hey, it happens. It's ha okay, so let's let's segue right into 
The reason um, that, that I think, you know, you, you tying into this, this show is, is kind of important. This was our worst season this year since 2005, right? You were part of that, that 05 team that, you know, Gundy had a, he had a lot of clearing house from what I recall correctly. Oh, we had a lot of talent, but Gundy just, you know, he, he let a, a lot of guys go. So that 2005 team, could you kind of just talk about coming into that season when you see people like Seymour Shaw and a bunch of starters get kind of shipped out of Dodge? What was your guys's um, opinion on how the 05 season was going to be? Did you know it was going to be rocky or did you guys anticipate winning seven, eight games? What was the feeling? Uh, man, I, I, we were hopeful. I know I was. Um, I thought we would at least be a bowl team. Um, gotcha. But, you know, we, we still didn't know what we, what we were going to do at quarterback. I believe Donovan started off the year at quarterback. Right. And then uh, they moved on to Bobby at some point in that season. Um. And I think Al plays on that season. It was just a revolving door. And to be honest, man, like you said, we lost a lot of firepower. Um, you know, Gundy ran some guys off, and he was really trying to clean up the program at that right. point. And we just weren't that good. We had talent, but we didn't have cohesion. We were learning a new offense. Larry Fedora had came in from Florida. Him and Coach Wickline, the O-line coach, just as Rob Glass's first year. So everything, everything had just got flipped. You know what I mean? Like Les ran the ship one way and then Gunny came in and ran in a completely different way. And honestly, I think everybody was learning on the go. Like Gunny was learning how to be a head coach. We were trying to learn a new system. We had a whole new coaching staff, a whole new defense we were trying to learn. And it just took a year, man. It just took a year. Um, but, you know, we had some bright spots in that season. Like, we're, I remember we beat Texas Tech. They were number 13 in the country when we beat them that year. Um, you know, we played Missouri tough. Uh, we lost that game by, like, 7, 38, 31 or something like that. Um, you know, we were in some games, um, but we just didn't have the talent, man. We just didn't – we couldn't it – was, it was a lot going on that year, let's say that. So, 05 – yeah, I'm really glad you brought up that that Texas Tech game. That's when I learned to not bet against Oklahoma State because that was my freshman year of college. And obviously, you know, being a diehard O-State fan, uh, even though I went to college in Kansas, I talked about Oklahoma State on a daily basis. And 05 was not a very good season. And then I had a bunch of dudes come up to my, the, my dorm room to watch the Texas Tech game. And it's the first time I bet. I was like, oh, there's no way we're going to win. There's no way. And, you know, a buddy of mine from New York who knows nothing about Oklahoma State, you know, he bet me. And I was like, yeah, of course. Of course, we, we cannot beat a ranked Texas Tech right now. And then we did. And I was like, you know what? I'm just – I'm never never betting against O-State anymore. It's just it's – <laughs> You know, they did that game. Uh, they – they in the pregame, they, they huddled up in the middle of our field, like right on the 50-yard line in the middle and started like stomping on our logo and dancing and stuff. And that got us pretty fired up. Um, and so we we played with a purpose that day. That's awesome. You, you, you can't let somebody just come in there and disrespect your, your logo and your school like that. So I think that was a big motivation. I think that's why uh, we sent them home with an L that day. Okay. So the 05 season clearly did not, uh, did not go as everybody would have liked it to. But at the same time, the 2006 season – 
um, that that was to me that was the beginning of what we have now, right? It's you've got to pinch yourself occasionally when you come back and just see the, the insane amount of growth that Oklahoma State has had as a university. Yeah. So yeah, big- okay. We're going to slide into the 2006 season real quick, but briefly, I got to let the fine people out here know about uh, BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting news, stats, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, from pro football to college football, all the way to the bowl seasons, World Cup, basketball, whatever it is, we got you covered. If you love sports podcasts, got you covered there as well. We are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. It is where the game starts. All right. All right. All right. So let's fast forward. 2006. The, the, yeah, the, the meat and taters of what Gundy was trying to build did, in fact, get established. And like you said, you, you, you got to see the transition from Josh Fields uh, and then you had Al Pena, you know, always flutter in the background. Donovan Woods, people forget that Donovan Woods, he had uh, 1,628 yards and 13 touchdowns. Um, and it was he was pretty efficient. He didn't throw the ball a crap ton, but his efficiency ratings were, were, were decent. So I think, you know, other than the talent that Bobby Reed had, Donovan could have done some things. And Donovan, really, the poor guy, played everywhere. It's like he was the jack of all trades for Oklahoma State, right? He played quarterback, yeah. he played safety, moved up to linebacker, and then I know he, he made the Pittsburgh Steelers a couple practice squads at, at linebacker as well and had some opportunities. But you got to see multiple different quarterbacks at Oklahoma State University, and then it ultimately, ultimately equaled the success of 2006. So briefly, could you kind of just go over that transition from 2005 to 2006? Where, where was the time that you as a team – realized you know what guys we got something here we've got something cooking in hot oil so 2006 needs to be a capitalization moment when did you guys have that realization it may it may have been against tech i I don't know but when did y'all realize that y'all have enough talent to do some do some pretty cool stuff uh man it was actually it was in a loss we had lost to a&m that year in like double or overtime um, and we had them dead to rights. Uh, I was, I, I think we had scored late. We got them in like a fourth and 13. I remember this like yesterday and they somehow got the first down going down there, scored no time left and got in the overtime. They scored and we scored and we kicked the extra point, but it gets blocked. And, um, but Anon was a good team that year. Yeah. They I had divorced that- lane, right? Javorski Lane. They had a lot of dudes. And I just remember being in that game saying, man, we got something. We got something we can work with. We had Dan Charles Savage who went off that game. He was a big addition. Uh, Keith Tostin, he was a freshman. He ran hard. Um, Bobby was figuring things out. Darius Bowman was the biggest reason. Yeah. I think having a Darius and then Dewan Woods on the other side. Dewan Woods was no slouch. He was an all-conference player. So we had weapons at this point. And then on defense, we have Victor the Great, Marquis Fountain, uh, Nathan Peterson. Um, we, we just had a lot of good football players, man, that year. Uh, a lot of scrappy dudes that just knew how to fight. 
And um, we and I think the next week after that loss, we beat Nebraska, who had came in there and ranked like number 22 or 23. Um, and we had beat them, you know, by 11 points or something like that, if I can remember right. But I look, we went seven and six that year. Um, but look, if the AM game, we I think we should have won. Right. We went to K-State, and we were up 10 points in the fourth quarter to K-State, and they beat us in the last minute. Um, there was like three games that year that I thought we should legit had the chance to win. We could have easily been a nine and three football team that year. Yeah. Um, that's how good we were that year. Yeah. Well, that was the first time we'd beat Nebraska in like what, 20, 30, 23 years, something like that. Well, no, they had did it. Uh, they beat Nebraska the year before I got there. In okay. That was gotcha. tracking. Yeah. Yeah. That was, so. I mean, that was fun. That was, you, you were part of some, some good squads, um, you know, just from a talent perspective, like you, like you listed, yeah. You know, Billy Bajima, I think was 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 rocking and rolling with y'all back then too. So, yeah, you guys had NFL talent. It was just the depth piece, and to me, that's the beauty of where Oklahoma State is now. Is uh, this year's a perfect example? There's not very many years that we could have, you know, twelve starters out and still be able to have a somewhat successful season, and it's due to the depth. And whenever you see, obviously, you know, playing offensive line for, for so long, when you see some of the deficiencies that we have at the O-line, you know, did, does it, I don't know, is it a glaring need that, that we have to fix? Or do you, do you think it's more just simplistic things that we're missing? As far as the O-line? Yeah. I, I, look, we were injury riddled. Um, we just couldn't stay healthy, man. You know what I mean? We really just could not stay healthy. It was a, it was a revolving door. Um, center was out. Guards would be out. You're moving guards to center. You're moving tackles to guard. Um, right. It's just it was just we could not stay healthy. You know what I mean? Um, if you look back at last year when we went 12 and 1, like for the most part, that unit had stayed pretty healthy and we right. leaned on a run game. And yeah. then this yeah. year, we just. The whole team, it wasn't just even the old line. It was just almost every position group, you know, had to deal with injuries, which was just crazy. It's just one of those years, you know, football is a physical game. Right. It's 100% injury rate. And it just wasn't a year injury wise, man. So I hear you. Okay. But so I, look, I, I like Coach Dickey. Coach Dickey's a good coach, the old line coach. I've met him, talked to him a, co- a couple of times. I think he does good work. Um, you know, they just got, they got a, it's easy to say to recruit better and get better guys. That's an easy, easy right. answer. Um, you know, do we have to do a better guy, a better job? Uh, how do I say this? Do a better job of, uh, you know, working with the talent that we got? Yeah, sure. Everybody can say that. But, you know, when they're hurt all the time, it's hard to, it's hard to coach people yeah. that are hurt and you can't get them on the field and, and actually, you know, work with right. the guys you got so well that and even coming into the season that was that was the, the position that we knew we didn't have very much depth right we we, we knew coming into this season um that it was going to be a little bit of a potential musical chairs type situation and unfortunately that's exactly how it, it unfolded um but okay so let's let's re- rewind one more again so in 2006 uh going through the dra- draft process uh did you Watch, did you go back home uh, to Louisiana for the draft? No, I, I 
went out to uh, San Diego for a little bit and then came back to Stillwater and worked out and um, got ready for the combine and did all that. Um, and so after the combine, I came back to Stillwater, worked out and just got ready for uh, for whoever was going to draft me and get ready for that process. So when you get the the call from the New England Patriots, I mean, I'm sure that you, euphoria is not even an accurate way to describe that 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 phone call in and of itself. But whenever you got the call to go to go be a Patriot and you were going to get your NFL opportunity, was it more of, you know, I'm really excited to go give this a go and see what happens? Or were you pretty daggone confident that you were going to be a, a, a starter in the NFL for, for years? No, it was more um... – I can't even explain. I was just happy to get drafted, number one. Um, and then, you know, once you get there, life hits you in the face pretty hard. Wow. Uh, <laughs> people don't understand. Like, you know, the funny thing is Coach Wickline, who was my O-line coach, at the end of the season, um, my senior year, said, hey, are you are you going to try and play in the NFL? And I was projected like a fourth to sixth round pick. Brother. He was like, hey, are you wanting to play? Like, yeah, I want to play. But that question <laughs> – I remember that question so vividly now it makes sense now because playing in the NFL is hard. Right. It's really yeah. hard. And being a rookie in the NFL is really hard. And I got there, man. And those vets, like that team that that 2007 uh Patriot team, they went 19 and 1. Um I think they had eight draft picks that year and only three of them made the team. Um wow. That 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 team, that's one of the best teams ever. That team had Randy Moss, Wes Walker, Tom Brady. I mean, one of the best defenses ever. I mean, bro, you can go down the line on what that team had. And I remember getting there in my first two weeks, like, holy crap, this is gonna be hard. <laughs> I was I was like, I was not ready, bro. I was not ready. Um he and wasn't just ready. it wasn't ready. Yeah, <laughs> that was definitely me. Um, and it's just such a, it's such a difference, man. It's so different from college. It's, it's literally like grown men with mortgages and kids and all this. And in in college, you call your coach, coach Wickline, coach Gundy in NFL. You don't call your coach, coach. You call them by their first name. You know what I mean? You call them George or, or, or Bill, whatever. You know what I mean? It was just, it was so different from what I was used to in college. And, um, so I learned a lot that that rookie year it was it was like a growing up moment like you have to grow up fast um if you want to stick around roger so okay whenever you made that the the transition from being a patriot to the lions how did that uh was how did that how did that kind of come to fruition so i got i got cut after the last preseason game uh that year by the patriots and then three weeks later, I got picked up by the Indianapolis Colts. So I actually spent two years with the Indianapolis Colts. Right. And then I got cut from there. I uh, was on the practice squad with the Cleveland Browns uh, for like three months in 2009. And then the last month of the year, the Detroit Lions picked me up off the practice squad um, with four weeks left to go in the season. <clears throat> and then um, I just stuck on for six years in Detroit. Um, so... That was like a do or die moment because after three years, man, like right. you know, the average the average career is three years. Brother. So I was like, this is this is it. I got to make this team, and they tried to replace me every year in Detroit, bro. 
they try to replace me every year. My my birthday is April 26th, and it usually falls on the draft. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they drafted a tackle, like, bro, like, out of the six years I was there, they probably drafted an offensive tackle on my birthday, like, three times. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, they, they, bro, they tried, and, that, and that's probably the thing I'm proudest of the most out of my football career is, is fighting off – a team trying to replace you and being good enough to being like, well, we can't get rid of Hilliard. Right. You know what I mean? And being then again, 53 and then guys again. and then again, and then and again. So that, that was probably, that's my proudest moment or moments, you know, having to sit down on your birthday and watch a team that you're on, try to draft to your replacement and then sticking on. So. Yeah. Okay. So uh, your Lions career. I mean, yeah, bro, you you got to pass pro for for uh, Matt Stafford is the greatest Lions quarterback ever, is he not? Like, yeah, I don't I don't think that's yeah. much of a debate. Yeah, easy. Um, and then you obviously got to uh, link up with uh, Brendan Pettigrew. I mean, that that had to be actually pretty cool being lined up literally right next to him. Did y'all did y'all have a did y'all have some fun camaraderie in, in the locker room? Yeah, we did. You know, we always talk about the games and what happened Saturday night, uh, Sunday morning. Um, you know, P. Grew's a pretty quiet dude. So, I mean, we, we had a, you know, we had a cool relationship. We hung out sometimes, but just having somebody that was there, um, right. you know, that I played with in college, it was cool. That's awesome, man. So, um, Let's talk a little bit about, you know, you, you play a long time in the NFL, and then t- 2014 was when they had uh, Megatron and, and obviously Pettigrew and everybody, and they made a, the playoff push, correct? So they lost yeah, we made the Dallas. playoffs, uh, you know, what was it, 2011, my third year there, we had made the playoffs. Um, we had made the playoffs and gosh, I know I'm it was 20 back. it was 2014 yeah it was so out of the six years I was there I think we made the playoffs twice the first time we lost to the Saints uh my last year there we did lose to Dallas we had a 14 point lead and we yeah, lost y'all, y'all should have won that game by yeah I yeah. think yeah that, that was a controversial uh pass interference on Pettigrew <laughs> right that that they threw the flag on and then picked it up um so yeah I remember that one for sure Damn, that, that's cool. So, I, and then after, uh, was it 2015, you had, you broke your foot, like game three of the season, if I recall correctly. No, so that, that season, that same season that we lost to the Cowboys was, that was, I broke my foot on Monday Night Football and I actually finished the game. Um, and then woke up that next morning. I was like, this is not right. I couldn't even walk. I, I could barely walk. And then they put me on IR. So I broke my foot on Monday Night Football against the Giants, was out the rest of the year um, on IR. And then you're – so you're, tr- you're transition uh, out of the NFL. Uh, I know that you've uh, talked about before about, you know, going from being an NFL guy. Um, you, you had a, a little bit of time there where you were just kind of trying to find your way. But you did do – you were a fitness uh, trainer to some degree, if I recall correctly. Was that how did that decision come into to play? Because you know, go, again, going from NFL to anything cannot be easy. Um, so to so walk us through, you know, that 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 path. 
after retirement? After retirement, I was really just trying to find my way. And, uh, you know, Victor the Great, who, you know, was at Oklahoma State, too, uh, he lived in the Tulsa area. So we just kind of teamed up and did it for two years. Okay. Um, It was a cool experience. I learned a lot about fitness. Um, I actually got down to, like, 245 around that time. Like, I had lost a lot of weight. I think I saw that. Yeah, and then um, put I put it all back on with, <laughs> during COVID. <laughs> but no, that that was just a you know, uh, nothing can prepare you for when you stop doing something that you've done your whole life. Um, you know, I've been playing ball since ninth grade and in, in high school. Uh, so you talking about four years of high school, four years of college, eight years NFL. That's sixteen years of doing one thing. Um. You know what I mean? And then once you get out of it, you, you kind of have a lost soul almost, right? And some guys do a better job than others of uh, preparing themselves for transitioning out. I didn't do a good job of preparing myself to transition out. Um, and so it took me a while to kind of find my niche and what I wanted to do. So and right now I coach. I coach uh, Metro Christian here in Tulsa. Um, and... You know, I just love coaching the line, man. I love coaching linemen. So, you know, that's where I'm at right now. I, I've accepted my faith as a, a football coach. Doesn't pay awesome. well as a high school football coach, you know, but I love it. I love being in the locker room. I love just hanging out with the guys. I'm a kid at heart. And so, you know, I finally landed on that. and It's been good ever since. That's amazing. That's amazing. So how often do you get to uh, take take a peek? peek over to, to Stillwater and, and catch the catch a lot of the games. Oh pretty, man, pretty I, I had season tickets for like three years. Um I got rid of them. I saw I got rid of them right before COVID. So I hadn't oh, okay. had season tickets in two years. Gotcha. But um you know we went down there for the Iowa State game this year, hung out. Nice. Um when the Esmo Joseph, I, I try to get back to Stillwater as much as possible. I love that place, man. So I, I go back a lot. I'm only an hour away, so. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, been a married man for a while with, with a couple of kids. Your kids go to Metro Christian, I'm assuming? No, they go to Owasso Public Schools. Okay. Uh, I like I like free school. Owasso, <laughs> Owasso, has, yeah, yeah. A, <laughs> Owasso has a really good uh, school uh, school system here. They do a really good job. Um, so, and it's free. So right. they get to go to school for free and they get good education. Yeah. Man, that, that, that's awesome. Not so poo-pooing, what? not, not throwing shade at any, you know, Christian schools or anything where you have to pay. No, yeah, money. I got you. <laughs> um, so what, what do you think, um, in your personal opinion, do you, do you get an opportunity to, to dive into some of the recruiting stuff or, or do you just kind of take it at, at face value? I guess my question is, do you feel more confident right now about the situation with our O-line than, I don't know, previously? Because the only, the only guy we've lost so far is Eli Russ. And Eli Russ is a you know good rotational piece, but he's never been a guy. So when you factor in the guys that we brought in and the, the freshmen, I feel fairly confident about our O-line moving forward. I do think that we could use a couple more pieces. Uh, but you mentioned Dickey. So I want to kind of get around to Dickey. Because Dickey is a hot topic. Right. He's a, he's a legend uh, in Manhattan, the Bill Snyder days. It just 
it doesn't seem to be working all that well in Stillwater. And to me, it almost feels like it's because we're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. You're asking a guy who did like 10% pass bro his entire career in Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. right? And now you're asking him to do 65% pass pro. Uh, I'm sure that's difficult for Dickie. Um, but, you know, do you kind of see that sometimes the game does evolve around coaches and, and it just, it's, it's part of the gig. Or do you think that, you know, he's got a, a plenty, plenty of life left in him and, and, and we just had a bad, bad stretch here. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Was he not the coach last year when we went 12 and one? Was he, was. he the O-line coach then? Yes, sir. I didn't hear too many complaints about him last year. I really didn't. So I, I think <laughs> I think the bad year, I think a lot of coaches out there are catching flack. Um bro, I, I, I stay out of recruiting. We never have Roger, great yeah, recruiting yeah. classes at Oklahoma State. We're always in like the 30s or 40s. Correct. But we've always somehow seem to make it work. Yeah. Um. That's that's been our mo forever. We're not going to have a top thirty recruiting class. That's just not who we are. That's not how we operate. Um. And for, for all of that, we always seem to, you know, be around nine, eight, ten wins. Yeah. And so you know, I don't get wrapped up in recruiting. I don't get wrapped up in what we're bringing in in the portal because you gotcha. really don't know what you got until you get them on the field and see them yeah, play. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I I really don't tap into recruiting at all. Get the guys you're going to get, get them on the field, coach them up, and let's see what we got. So I would love to have a top 10 recruiting class. I would love to have a top 15, top 20. That's just not, this is not what we do. And it's going to get harder with this NIL stuff, man, in the transfer portal. It, it's only going to get harder. I agree, man. I, I, I agree. You know, I think Wickline, Wickline, he, he frustrates me a little bit. But again, I think part of it is, again, I, I don't I don't know that when he came to Stillwater, he anticipated doing the, the multitude of, of different things that that he's doing at the current moment. But yeah, man, I, I, I like the guys we brought in. Um, and you can you know this at any level. So the guy we brought in from uh, Texas State, if you give up, he gave up seven sacks and 1,365 snaps. That's pretty good. That's, that's hard to do <laughs> against the scout team. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think we're going to be fine. Caleb Etienne clearly has the, the, the size that you can't coach. He has the ability. He cut down 60 flipping pounds. So clearly work ethic is not an issue. Uh, and then yes. we got Preston Wilson coming back. We got Cole Birmingham coming back. We got Mikulski coming back. We got some, we got some freshmen coming in. Um, yeah, if we if we can shore up the O line, that's something I was I was talking about with some people in the space last night. You know, people want to have the debate about Garrett Rangel or Garner Gundy or Zane Flores or whoever. But to me, it's yeah. If if you if we can shore up the offensive line and run the football that sorts everything out, right? We, we were so limited this year offensively because teams didn't respect the run. They didn't have to respect the run. So you got one of two things. You either got a, a full blitz or you got eight men drop back in coverage. It's just, it's not a, it's not a great recipe. So is it, is it fair to say that if we can fix the O-line, that's it, just the O-line, that we have at least three or four more dubs this year, this yes. past year, yeah, 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 yes, 
Yeah, I think if the O-line play would have been better, I think we would have had at least three more wins. Um, but like I said, man, we were just really beat up. We were really beat up. You know what I mean? And I think, shoot, we had TCU down 30 to 16, and we couldn't close the game out because we couldn't run the ball. Those, those are the type of things I think people are frustrated with right now. You know, a season that could have been – had yes. we made it, would have been, you know, a better run with a football team. And Gundy said that I watched all of his postgame press conferences. Right. You know, he was frustrated that we couldn't run the ball efficiently. You know what I mean? And you could tell. So I, I 100% agree. I think if we have better a better run game, I think we went through four more games. But it is what it is. Well, and the crazy part, it's just like, the, I okay, as a fan, it's so frustrating because – you, you clearly see how talented Ollie Gordon is, right? It's just mm-hmm. it's very, very, very evident. Jaden Nixon. Jaden Nixon has a lot of those Kendall Hunter, Dontrell Savage type type of abilities. So when you – and then even like I said, Dominic Richardson, right? He's headed off to Baylor. Good luck to you, sir. But we have talent in the backfield. That's the frustrating part. It's like you see the talent that we have, and then you factor in that we rushed for 2.8 yards – a game that's not good yeah that's not good <laughs> like that's yeah bro. That's, that's not good yeah it, look, it was frustrating that from... in 05. i know y'all didn't know no 2.8 no. yards a game in 05. yeah that's that's the frustrating part um you know the the beautiful thing about a run game is boring but it, it travels you know it's, right, it's right. like your bread and butter if you have a run game you can always rely on that and come back to it um and being honest, Spencer wasn't scrambling and picking up yards. You know, Damn. we weren't really efficient in the run game, man. And right. it's, it's, a, I'm amazed that we beat some of the teams we beat without being able to run a ball, like beating Texas, coming back and winning that game, being up on TCU 30 to 16 with no run game. Uh, to some of the performances we had early on in the year, beating Baylor up there and uh, down there in Waco mm-hmm. with no run game, like the, all of that. Look, we, we, we did a lot. You know, being hamstrung, not being able to run the ball, because the yeah. last thing you want to do on offense is be one dimensional, right? Roger. Um, so I don't know how you fix it. I really don't. You know, I don't think it's Dickie's fault. I I don't think we all need to pile on and, and blame Dickie. Um, I just think that we just need to get better linemen and do better. Just do better. <laughs> do better than, bro. It, my thing is, just two years ago, we that that's what we did. That's how we got to the Fiesta Bowl and and beat Notre Dame. We ran the ball. We were, if I'm not mistaken, we were number one in the conference in rushing. We had Jalen Warren. We yep. just we lined up and we just ran it and ran it and ran it. So you can't tell you can't tell me that it's not possible because I just watched us go twelve and one doing it. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we have we have the capability. It's there. I don't know what the hell happened this year, but two years ago we were great at it. This year we sucked at it. So we well, I think I think again that's a testament to depth, right? Okay. So when when back when you were playing, we were literally one or two in big injuries away from it costing us games. It's just a fact. Yeah. This year it took. 10, 12, 15 injuries, you know, it before you started seeing a big difference. And, um, you know, and I know you can attest to this. I think one of the, the biggest misconceptions that, that fans have is 
that whenever you have players that, that come up, whether they be freshmen or sophomores and they fill in a hole, if they're that good, that the talent shouldn't matter. But where people forget is you lose the ability on your scout team and stuff like that to have really, really, really good guys giving you a, a good showing. And I think that's indicative of Kansas State, right? Kansas State, we train, we train, tried to change practice and we went to a lot of shell and thud stuff and it just it didn't work out right no big deal and kudos to gundy for for admitting i tried something new in 18 years and it didn't work um but yeah you just they didn't have the scout team to get them prepared and it's hard to prepare for will howard who that was only his second game i believe of the season yeah and so you can't prepare for a kid who nobody in Manhattan wanted on campus when you don't have a scout team at all. I just, it's, and so if nothing else, you know, this season, again, getting kicked in the teeth and, and, and seven wins, it's just luckily, luckily see again, the evolution, isn't it cool to be a fan now at Oklahoma state university and say, yes, yeah, seven wins is not, we, that is not acceptable. We, we cannot have that happen. Yeah. Like that's yeah, gotta that's, feel uh... kind of cool. It's it's man. Look, we've had one of the best records. I forget the stat, but like in the last ten years, we've won like the fifth or sixth most games in college football. You know, what I mean, we've been a steady force, right? We've we've been one of the best Big Twelve teams in the last year and last ten years. Oh yeah, we've won a lot of football games, bro. A lot of football games, and so this is a far cry from when I first got here. I remember when I first got here, they were like they went to the Houston Bowl. Right. right. That was a big deal. That was like their first bowl game in like six yep. years or something. So, yeah, I'm proud. I'm proud of who we are. I'm proud of our brand. People know who Oklahoma State is now. You know what I mean? They respect us as a football program. Um, and it's just really cool to see. And it's, it's awesome when you win seven games, it's not good enough. Yeah, that's, dude, it that's is called great. expectations. Yeah, when uh, I'm uh, the first year my we got my dad got a season tickets was 97 and uh, we won. You know, when we got to seven wins that year, uh, you'd have thought that we'd have won the Dagon Super Bowl in 1997. You just look legitimately speaking as a fan, seven, eight wins was like that was big. That was really, really yeah. big. And now here we are X amount of years later. And it's like, yeah, seven wins cannot that that has to be the the absolute basement but when you have this many freshmen again yes this season kind of we got punched in the mouth a bit we we didn't have the the guys on scout team to get us prepared effectively but those dudes played a lot of football and now those guys are now going to be integral parts of the two deep for this next season so if if we can take a, a few things away right i think one being the talent is unquestionable you know, and that's what makes you pull your hair out about Ollie Gordon and, and Jaden Nixon and even Dominic Richardson and DeAndre Jackson to some degree. It's like you see the talent. You see you cannot coach the way that, that DeAndre Jackson and Ollie Gordon run the ball. Right. You cannot coach wanting to bust people's face masks open. <laughs> Can't coach that. Yeah. Right. But, you know, it's just it. we're just it's such a small difference between. Like, like you said, being a 10-win squad and being a 7-win squad. And if anything, this defense and the amount of youth that played should have people excited for next season. Like, there's, there's, there's no doubt. When you have that many freshmen start, 
right? That is playing mm-hmm. time that you cannot you cannot coach. You can't yeah. coach extra playing time, They're, bro. Experience is the best teacher. Um, so they got they got that experience. I really hope that we 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 become a running football team again. Yes. I really hope for, I pray for that because when you have a strong defense, you saw the formula in two years ago when we went 12 and one. That's the formula. Strong defense, being able to run a ball, shorten the game, eat the clock up, keep the other offense off the field. Um, you know, those are things that we really gotta lean into. And we just got to we gotta develop a tough minded run football yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah, it's gotta be that. Well, and other than the, the youth that we have coming back, um, so the recruiting class, I know, again, that's not necessarily you, you, you dive in too, too far, but but I, I do. <laughs> and, <laughs> but you're kind of paid to do it, right? A little bit, a little bit. But yeah. the, guy, the, the one commonality, and again, this is the, the tie-in, I, it really, really, really looks like this recruiting class is a significant shift. I yes, we ended up number thirty nine or whatever overall, which is which is fine. See, I but didn't even know that. I called it earlier, thirties or forties. <laughs> yeah, it's the mentality shift, right? So all of the alignment we got, uh, I think all of the the high school alignment. I don't think any of them necessarily will be able to slide in immediately, but they have what you can't coach, and that is tenacity. Right. Like Caleb Etienne has the body. He can be a physically imposing dude who has, you know, the the ability to potentially play at the next level. But you can't teach that that tenacity. And what this this recruiting class all the way across the board at every single position, we're going to have more 15 yard penalties just because of the way these dudes play the game. And it's like. I'll take it because that's how y'all play the game. Just like you said, the Texas Tech game. When they stomped on your logo, you guys are like, okay, bet. Hold my beer and watch this shit. Y'all done messed yeah. up now, right? It's a big <laughs> yeah. concept. And we have been recruiting speed and talent and speed and talent and speed and talent for a long time. This class is the first class I've ever seen since your guys' classes of 03, 04, 05, 07, where the number one requirement is toughness. That's it. It's like we're bringing guys in that have this nasty, mean streak attitude, and we've decided, okay, we can work on the technique, we can work on the fundamentals, but we can't teach people to want to shove your your face into the ground over and over and over. Dude, we've got um, a linebacker, Ike uh, Essenwoon, who played wide receiver, and he's got multiple pancakes on the season at wide receiver. It's like, you ain't got no business picking a dude up and throwing him three yards out of bounds. But he does just because he can. And that's the, the, the fun part to me. Again, when you look at y'all's classes, it di- didn't always necessarily have all the greatest talent per se in the world. But you had guys that wanted to bring their lunch pail and they wanted to go to war every Saturday. And it looks to me like this is that recruiting class. So, yeah, man, when you factor that that in with all of the youth, if we can shore up the O-line, this is an 11-12 win ball club. It just is. I hope so. I think, look, all football is is blocking and tackling. I mean, that's all it is. You, you The window dressing, passing the ball, uh, any kind of play that you call it, 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 it always comes back to can you block? 
Okay. And here, in here, I thought it was us wide receivers that controlled everything. No, it's, it's, <laughs> well, you, you just talked about a wide receiver blocking, right? That's where yeah, your yeah. big runs right, come right. from when your re- re- receivers are down the field blocking people, right? Football is blocking and tackling. That's all it is. We need to do a better job of blocking, all right, and a better <laughs> job of tackling. It's that simple. It's that simple, you know? Well, uh, you sound you sound like a daggone coach there. That's that that locker room talk. That's all football is. Somebody's going to have the ball. You're going to have 10 dudes blocking for that guy (laughs) or nine guys blocking for that dude. And you're going to have 11 dudes on the other side trying to tackle him. That's all football is. Man, it makes it sound so simplistic when you break it down like that. I'm going to go tell my son that. So simple. But you're right. We need the dogs that want to block. Yes. We need the dogs that want to block and want to do it play after play after play after play. Yeah, I feel I feel the mean streak coming back, and you know, for better or worse, right? I feel like this this is a concerted effort by Gundy. And I'm not not just the high school recruiting class, the transfer market guys, right? I, I think I made this analogy last night. The guys that we brought in, like for example, Justin Wright, a linebacker, replaced you know Mason Cobb. Is he does that have the same lateral side to side ability as Mason Cobb? Probably not. Is he as fast as Mason Cobb? Probably not. But what he will do is he will fill a gap and chew your ever loving kneecaps off. That's a good Lions throwback, huh? That's a Dan Campbell throwback. Dan Campbell, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the type of dudes that we brought in. So it looks to me that there is clearly, clearly a shift in mentality. Uh, We're going, we're going away from the, the spread athlete and, and and we're getting more bigger dudes you've heard a thousand times gundy said a thousand times it's hard to get 300 pounders to stillwater he's he said that his whole career well if you look at the roster now coming into this next season we have several 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 300 pounders on both sides of the line so the thing that we always had to coach around was you know size big bodies we don't have that problem anymore you look up and down the roster. We have a bunch of six, seven, six, eight, six, six dudes now that are 295, 305, 310 pounds. So the evolution in recruiting for Gundy, I think, you know, it, it has been nice. Like you said, the, the number, number 30 class, number 29 class, number 39 class, you know, that, that just, I don't know. When you have Rob Glass, that's not that big of a deal, right? Oh, yeah. it, would, it would be great to have top 20 classes all the time. I get that, but in glass we trust. There's a there's a reason why he's the only dude in the country making a million dollars to teach people how to lift weights. <laughs> that dude is the goat, man. That yes. dude is the goat. I love yeah. me some raw glass. I love it, brother. All right, man. Well, uh, let the fine people out there know. I see you got a fancy little microphone set up. Maybe you could teach me a thing or two. But uh, tell the people what do you what do you got going out here other than rocking and rolling on the high school gridiron for for Tulsa Christian. So I just started a podcast called House Divided Podcast. I do it with my buddy Brandon Hill, who's a big time Sooner fan. Okay. Um, but he's a really, really good friend of mine. So we just said, hey, man, let's just start a podcast. Um, and we talk OSU and OU football. We do NFL uh, weekly recaps and preview shows. Uh, we're going to start doing basketball when football season is over because we're both big basketball fans. I'm a huge Celtics fan. He's a oh huge my. Lakers fan. So it, it just works out perfect. Like, we were really good friends, but we we just – we 
sports wise, we're different on everything, and it, it makes for a good show. Bro, so I got please that going tell on. me, please tell me you got a size three X tall Marcus Smart jersey. Please tell me you do. No, man. <laughs> Look, just just so you know, I'm not capping, bro. I got a hey. I got a Jason Tatum hey, jersey. That's, yeah, so I'm a big time Jason Tatum fan. Um, <laughs> I love my Celtics. I've been a Celtics fan, bro, since like 1999. That's I'm talking back when they had Antoine Walker and Paul Pierce. Um, yeah, dude my my dad was a hardcore. Um, my, my dad thought Larry Bird walked on water. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, dude, my dad, whenever, you know, uh, we're it's showing the age, but the VHS tapes, we only had a handful of VHS tapes, but I would tell you, we had a bunch, a bunch of VHS tapes of Kevin McHale and, and Larry Bird highlights. Uh, and then the, the other, the other thing that we got to, uh, slide in and out constantly was my dad was obsessed with Vince Lombardi and Bart Starr and the Green Bay Packers. So I got history lessons in the Boston Celtics and the Green Bay Packers every single day without even necessarily wanting all of it. So I, I got you. I got you on the Celtics game, my guy. That's well, and when up. you play NBA 2K, like when you go to Legends mode, there's nobody that, that outshoots Larry. Like if you, maybe if no. you put in like Steph Curry now – but Larry yeah. Bird, bro. Oh, goodness me. Yeah. And they've got all these series. I didn't realize how much crap he talked. It it, it makes it fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I watched his YouTube shorts on uh, like he's the biggest trash talker. But when you're that good, man, you got to have fun with it. Uh, look, I'm going to shoot right here. I'm going to let you know where I'm right. shooting. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. He would, tell, he would tell people, if you go right there. I'm going to shoot a jumper. If you try to go around the screen, I'm going to bust a three in your face. Race, yeah. Precisely that. Cold-blooded, bro. Cold-blooded. <laughs> Cold-blooded. That's awesome, brother. Well, you know, um, Corey, I greatly, greatly appreciate your time on here, sir. You know what? Watching you with the Lions and with Brandon Pettigrew, like that was fun. So for me, I never, still to this day, never been a big NFL guy. I just never have. I only follow dudes like i was a, a 49ers fan because they drafted rw mccorders right for for a long time and then yeah. i was a lions fan uh because you know obviously you had tatum bell you had you you had brandon Pettigrew, they had chris lacy there for for quite some some time so it's just like you know i follow o state guys like okay for a couple of this last few years me and my son were both steelers fans well now james washington's gone and they're giving uh, they're giving Mason Rudolph the boot, the shaft. They're screwing yeah. that dude. Oh goodness gracious! So I don't give thirteen hoots about the Steelers no more, which sucks because I still like watching Jalen Warren. It's it's ugh. it's a rough life, man. But that was a, growing up, dude. You could you could count on one hand how many O State dudes were going to start on a Sunday, right? That's that's why I was a Niners fan because yeah. I wanted to watch RW McCorders, but outside of RW McCorders, you could watch a little bit of Keith Burns, a little bit of Kevin Williams, but you know, there wasn't a lot of dudes, right? Tatum Bell here and there. It just, it's cool now, right? When you look and see like this last, the last time I looked during the season, we had like 22 or 23 uh, Oklahoma State dudes on NFL rosters right now. When I was a kid, it was like two or three, not 22 or three. <laughs> Yeah, man. 
Man, we done a great job ever since like uh shoot, man, ever since like that 2009 season with like Zach Robinson and Des Bryant and all those dudes. We've been putting a lot of dudes in the league. Beat so, Georgia. Heck yeah. Beat Georgia. Yeah, man. That was a fun, that was a fun game. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we SEC. had some we had some get right too, because they beat us the year before pretty pretty yeah. good. It's always a fun to have an SEC team come in your house and you give them the business. You know, yeah, you ain't like, oh, goodness me. I wanted to beat the stupid, stupid Big Ten so bad the other day. So bad. Oh, man. Yeah, that was a frustrating game to watch. I'm just so, I'm so, like, obviously, I do O State stuff, but I'm, I'm a hardcore Big 12 guy, right? Um, yeah, me too. And I just, I'm so tired of hearing about the SEC and the Big Ten. I'm so flipping tired of it. So tired of it. Yeah. Like, I get it. Big Ten. Excuse me, Big Ten wasn't even that good that year. This year, I don't think they had what three teams. But you let let the media tell it. The Big Ten is the best thing since sliced bread. And I just don't get it. Yeah, well, it's it's marketing, brother. And this is precisely why you know I, I like doing doing this type thing. Oklahoma State University, we didn't market ourselves forever. Like you know what I mean? The the. SEC and the Big Ten have been sunshine pumping their conferences for years and years and years. Meanwhile, Bob Bowlesby, he didn't know what Big 12 marketing was if it slapped him across the jaw. <laughs> yeah. God and bless so, I mean, we took the same approach. because, re- Like, realistically speaking, from sea to shining sea, there are still, to this day, people who have no clue that Barry Sanders – or Des Bryant, or Thurman Thomas ever played at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, yeah. It's crazy. It just it, it blows my mind. So I, we're finally doing statues. We're finally doing the Ring of Honor stuff. But we're, we're, we have a lot of ground to make up, right? And I say this in the media game. Growing up in the state of Oklahoma, you had to, every day, you had to hear two and a half hours of OU, OU before you got 15 minutes of O State news. So yep. growing up as a fan in the state, it was so frustrating because you couldn't get OSU news. And, and now it's better, but we've got a long, long way to go. So I feel like I can only do my part. And part of that is bringing guys like yourself and Tatum Bell and Rashawn Woods and Bobby Reed on the show, not only to talk about, you know, the difference between now and then, but just to co- reconnect people. You know, because like you, you talk about Charlie Johnson, NFL, Billy Badgema, NFL, Donovan Woods, NFL. You uh, obviously had some pretty good spurs in the NFL. Zach Robinson lasted forever as a backup in the NFL. Brandon Pettigrew had a phenomenal career with the Detroit Lions. Yeah. And, and then obviously you got your Berries and your Thurmans and your Hartley Dykes and your, and your, uh, your Des Bryants. And I get all that. But it just – it blows my mind when, you know, when we moved to Colorado um, – when I, I got off my office, so the, my back shelf was just lined with nothing but Oklahoma State cards. And I can't tell you how many people would come into my office and be like, Denver Broncos fans, be like, oh, I didn't know Tatum Bell went to Oklahoma State. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes he did, right? And <laughs> so did Keith Burns, who's a, a Bronco great, who's yeah. still with the, the Broncos uh, to this day, if I recall correctly. And it's just, yeah, man, I feel like we need to do our part. And and for me, part of that is is reconnecting the fan base with the old school guys. So we remember, you know, how talented um, 
Um, somebody like even a Vernon Marinci was, or Victor the Great, or Nathan Peterson, because you know yeah. Victor, Nathan Peterson didn't get a lot of. Uh, I don't think he played in the league at, at all, but you know his his fumble recovery uh, in what two thousand Nebraska back for touchdown, yeah. st- stuff like that. Like for nostalgic purposes, that's how you build a fan base. You don't build a fan base by keeping everybody in the dark. People need to know more about Oklahoma State because we do have some goats, right? We do have some legends of the game that, that nobody talked. Terry Miller, Bob Fenimore. People don't realize that Bob Fenimore, yes, it's great that we got the 1945 national title. It's great. I love it, okay? But the biggest injustice was Bob Fenimore running for 1,641 yards and getting third freaking place in Heisman voting. Heisman, yeah. Ridiculous. And it's just, you know, like, I love O-State, but I, I love the history more. It's same with basketball. You know, John Starks and Desmond Mason, these are guys that people had no idea went to Oklahoma State. Yeah. And it just it blows my mind that if you didn't go to O-State, you don't know a lot about O-State, right? You know, yeah. Marcus Smart, he's one of the first rounds of people that I think do actually uh, recognize him with O-State. But again, that's how new it is that people are starting to recognize uh, how how many guys Oklahoma State's put in the league, and we're not even talking about baseball. But that that could be an hour long conversation with guys we've put in the major leagues in, in that sport. But yeah, man, people just don't know enough about O-State. Yeah, we're it's like we're in our own little country over here. I don't know. It's right. like we yeah. we live like in a, in, a, in another universe, and, and you find out somebody went to Oklahoma State, you'd be like, really? Well, yeah, yeah, that's just how it is, man. You know, but Ty- Tyron Johnson, people want to have the Tyree Kill debate all the time. I love Tyree Kills on a podcast uh, earlier this year, and he talked about his time in Oklahoma State. And thank goodness he came out and said that he claims being a cowboy. Tyree Kill does. doesn't run around talking about his time at Western Alabama. So he claims us. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, and then so he's with Emmanuel Agba now. It's another dude people don't realize is a flipping cowboy. Oh boy, yep. We just we've got so many dudes and we've got so little people talking about them. It just it, it frustrates me. So again, man, I want to greatly, greatly, greatly appreciative uh, for you jumping on uh, and, and helping us kind of yeah remember two thousand and five because it's different, right? Two thousand and five yeah. in this season they felt comparable. But I'm trying to explain to people with this much depth and talent, this could have looked like 05. If we were in the same spot, right? If we didn't have a two deep that w- that could compete with anybody in the country, this would have been a nightmare of a season. It could have been. It could have so, been. So, yeah, man, we've come a long way. And it's it's honestly because of people like you. Because without you know, without the, the the Bob Simmons era going into the Les Miles era and the Les Miles era going into the Mike Gundy era, we would have none of this. Absolutely none of it. I appreciate that, man. We're all just doing our part, you know. Um, I'm just I'm, I bleed orange. I love I love Oklahoma State athletics. I love the university, and um, we'll be back next year, bro. I think yes. next year is going to be a better year. I think so. Wow. I, I think with, again, yeah, with who we have coming in at the to the transfer market, this was the best transfer market Gundy's ever put together by a country mile. 
this transfer class is very, very, very impressive. Every dude we brought in, well, let's say realistically, Justin Wright, he will he will probably start immediately. Justin Goodlow probably going to start immediately. Ladarius Webb Jr. most likely is going to start immediately. I know Cam Smith's going to give him a pretty good run for his money. But uh, Dal- uh, Dalton Cooper, he's going to start probably immediately at left tackle, which gives that frees up Caleb Etienne and gives us you know a little bit more depth. If nothing else, it pushes him. But yeah, man, the transfer so on three sports has us rated as the number one transfer class in America. Really? Yeah. And uh, two four two four seven had us at, like number five. Uh, Rivals had us at like number seven. So our transfer class is a top five class anywhere you look. There you go. Better days are coming, brother. Better days are coming. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I didn't even know that. Bet. I, I hey, I got you, man. I got you. Yeah, if 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 you ever uh, need anything, brother man, I would uh, I would be I would be glad glad to lend a hand at, at any point in time and anything I I could do uh, with what you with what you got going. No doubt, man. I appreciate the time, man. We got to do this again soon, bro. Oh, for I, sure. Look, you're tapped in. You're you're way more tapped in than I am. So I'm I'm learning some things from you, brother. Holler at me, brother man. I stand. I sit in front of a computer and I watch film all day. Every day. <laughs> what are you on the all 22 you just watching just oh yeah i you... watched dude you could ask me i swear to you I'm, I'm i'm not trying to sound cocky but you could ask me a question about any one of our recruits and i can tell you precisely where they went what size they are who they got recruited by and what position they're going to slide in in oklahoma state <laughs> Damn. that's pretty good that's pretty good well, you know, again, it, like I said, we've got 70 years of negative media to make up for. So, you know, I, sometimes I just feel like you you got to overload people with facts. And the more facts that are out there, the more people will shut up because O-State fans, it's, it's getting a lot better. But oh, there's a lot of Oklahoma State fans that still get their O-State news from their OU buddy who heard it on the flipping sports animal. Still. Yeah. And that's what I, that's what just, it, 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 it blows my mind, man. It blows my we mind. Need, we need more Cody Slowballs, bro. That's hey, man, what we we're, need. We're, 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 we're working on it. We're getting there. Um, <laughs> and again, man, yeah, I, I'm very well aware that without y'all's classes, right, that transition from, from Miles to Gundy, that little, that, that time frame to me, that's the most pivotal time frame in, in our, well, easily recent history. I think you could argue that the mid to late 80s was was pretty pretty cool time, right, to be a cowboy. But right. it's not like this. It's not it's, it's not no. like this because of the depth. Again, you know, if, if we had – if you had 12 starters go down in 05, do y'all win a game? Heck no. <laughs> no, bro. We almost lost to Montana State the first game out the gate. It was – we won 15 bro, to 10 against I, Montana I State. Oh, I was I like, holy. That. Goodness me. Yeah, that was our first game. We won 15 to 10 against wow, Montana bro. State. So, what? if we would have had 12 starters go down, bro, we would have been – oh, we would have been 1 and 11. That would have been bad. Straight I love up. It, man. Well, hey, I, I, I can't, I can't thank you enough, brother. I really, I really, I really can't thank you enough. Um, no, man, thank you for having me, bro. I appreciate it. And uh, okay, so what's what's a fun little tidbit I can I can throw it at Bobby Reed? 
Is he got is he got a a nickname or a little fu- a fun fact about him? Because I tell you this, you know, I don't want to talk about the I'm a man I'm forty thing because I'm sure he's he's had that question seven hundred and thirty three thousand times. Um, Explain to him why Jay Z is not the best rapper. Come up with five rappers that are better than Jay Z and watch the response you get out of him. <laughs> That's too easy, buddy. That is too easy. <laughs> All right, brother. He is a Jay Z fanatic. So if you if you hit him with that, you'll get a you'll get a good response out of him. Or maybe I'll just start off the whole thing, be like, "Hey, man, uh, you know, welcome to the show. It, it sucks that Beyonce is not even the best Destiny's Child lady, but you know, we'll, we'll carry on." There. <laughs> uh, I love it. All right, man. Too easy, well, brother. To... Well, thank you for your time, sir. And let the fine people out there know. Um, what, what, what the name of your podcast again is and, and how house divided podcast, house divided podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we post all our shows on YouTube right now. So just go to YouTube, search house divided podcast and you'll find us, man. And what's your Twitter handle, Bubba? My Twitter handle, uh, it's the house divided, uh, podcast, uh, okay, okay. on Twitter. So my Twitter, I don't have a Twitter handle. I don't do Twitter. Roger, I don't have Roger. a personal Twitter. So I don't. I don't. <laughs> bro, I'm, I very, have, I'm very old school, bro. I don't. I didn't I don't have. I didn't have a Twitter or an Instagram until I started this stuff. So like two months ago. Yeah. There you go. I'm with you. Yeah. Bro. I still. <laughs> I have an Instagram. It like chimes and dings at me but i don't know how to use it don't know what to do on it i don't mess with it a whole lot twitter i kind of have to you know what i mean right but yeah because of your job you gotta you gotta tap in right i do i do even though sometimes twitter wants me wants making me pull my flipping hair out that's why i don't do it (laughs) (laughs) all right brother man well hey thank you very much ladies and gentlemen the man from Louisiana who made his way to Stillwater, who made his way to the Detroit Lions and back into our hearts. Corey Hillard, say hello to the people, and the people say goodbye to the man himself. Corey Hilliard, thank you very much for joining us, brother. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Well, y'all, that's basically all we've got for this one. Again, we're just going to continue to take these, these trips down memory lane because the the tie-ins between what was started years ago to where we are now, it's it's massive. There's a massive differentiation. Should we be accepting of seven-win season? No, no, we shouldn't. But we do need to remember that there were times when seven wins was was almost a pipe dream, and because of the foundation that was set right after the the. Really, Bob Simmons era. I I enjoyed some of the Bob Simmons era, but coming in the Les Miles era, Mike Gundy era, it's where we are now. And there's not very many legends that you can you know stack up that equal this amount of success anywhere. So, thank you to everybody who's been jumping on. Uh, we're we're doing we're doing we're doing we're doing well. We're doing big things. We're doing good things, and we're just going to keep this thing rocking and rolling and moving because. Being an Oklahoma State fan, it's it's different. It's different than a lot of other fan bases. And I think we all know that. So we need to live in it. We need to live in being different. And we need to talk about 
how difference can equal big things. And 2023 should be a big season. All right, y'all. As always, I love you all. God bless. Go, folks. Until next time. Later, y'all.